Hey guys, what's up? I'm Courtney. And I'm Andrew. And you're listening to The Perfectly Dysfunctional Family, where we talk about relationships, family, and our life. Get ready to get real with us. Hey guys, so this is the long-awaited, rescheduled uh, episode about our journey with fertility. Um, First off, I wanted to kind of talk about what happened last week. I left it very vague, um, but we lost our yellow lab. He, Marley, he was 11 and a half years old. Um, Andrew's grandmother has actually been taking care of him for the last two years, when we moved to New York, or from New York to Florida, he um, was just showing a lot of anxiety, was on medication with the baby and the dog, or Gunner, our other dog, the move, and then my mom had two dogs. We were going to be living with her. Um, there was just, there was going to be like five people, three dogs, plus Marley, plus a cat, plus a baby. It was just, I knew that it would just be too much for him to handle. Um, So without even a hesitation, Andrew's grandmother, who lives alone on like three or four acres, took him in and has been giving him like royalty treatment for the last two years. Um, But it was definitely a sad day last Sunday. So that is why we did not record the promised episode that we were going to because we're procrastinators and we were going to do it Sunday and then we just couldn't we just couldn't compose ourselves enough to we needed that time but anything you'd like to add no you put it pretty well yeah he was a great dog they can see your head nodding (laughs) yes yeah I'm going to start talking give me a second will you our co-host is back and so is your ringtone by the way yeah I need to turn that off you're welcome go ahead Marley was a pretty awesome dog and I want to thank my grandma again for taking care of him for the last couple years of his life he seemed to really enjoy it I remember when you called her to ask her right before we moved. We were moving in like a week. It was probably like a couple weeks. Maybe I don't two think weeks. I don't think we caught her that off guard. Yeah, because I think we were going to give her like a week test run. Yeah, we were like, you can keep him for a few days, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, kind of give it a test run, see how I like him. I mean, he's a great dog, but he has some quirks that you, you're going to want to see if you can get used to. And I don't even think I finished explaining any of that. And she was like, I'll take him. She had lost her dog before that, like a couple years before that. A few years back, yeah. yeah. I think it was great for both of them. Yeah, it really was. He came off all his anxiety medication, got her out of the house more. She'd bring him home like McDonald's on her way home from like bowling nights. He definitely was spoiled like the last two years of his life. But I got him when he was, I don't know, like eight or ten weeks old. Um, and I had him up until 
Grandma Helen. So this is the second, third time we've tried recording this. Um, the first time was fine. It's just we're just too focused on uh, timeline, and it didn't really matter. So we're just gonna start. We're just gonna tell our story and tell our journey of um, how we got Gavin. But it started after like a year of trying, really not trying or not not trying. Um, and I went to my OBGYN and she had talked about the previous miscarriage we had and that we'd been kind of unsuccessful in getting pregnant within a year. Um, it's kind of a guide, a guideline for most doctors. If you've not gotten pregnant within a year or had a mis had a couple miscarriages within a year, um, and no successful full pregnancy, um, it's usually out of their hands, their expertise, and they'll refer you out to a fertility specialist. So we went to the fertility specialist, got all the proper blood work done, um, all the tests that they need to do and everything, and they uh, pretty much said everything seems fine, unexplained fertility. Infertility. <laughs> unexplained. <laughs> unexplained infertility, yes. I if messed that up the last the time. The last time, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of what you had said. Um, yes. So that's even more like disheartening, knowing that there's nothing wrong with us and we still can't get pregnant. It wasn't a problem they could just go in and solve and then problem solve. We're ready to get pregnant now. It's just like, okay, it's unexplained. Now let's move forward and try all these medications and all this fun stuff that really sucks. And Meanwhile, all of our friends are like getting pregnant and... They have no idea, like, what we're going through. Um, they, like, know what we're talking about, like, yeah. what we've told them. They don't know how we're feeling about, like, when you say you're pregnant and you've been trying for three years to have a baby. And they had been trying for a little It's like long. I came off the pill and I got pregnant the first time. Yeah. Hey, what's up? And it's nothing against, like, our friends. It's just it's it's a very, like, sad feeling not knowing if you're ever going to be able to have a baby. Um, obviously, we had a miscarriage, so we were able to make a baby, but we were never sure if we were able to actually, like, hold our baby in our hands. Um, so we started IUI. You can look it up. IUI, IVF, there's differences. We started with IUI just because... Like Andrew said, there was nothing really like wrong with us, so he didn't feel that IVF was the first course of action that needed to be taken. Um, we also, I also had to do another test called an HSG test, basically check my fallopian tubes, make sure there was nothing blocking them. That test came back clear, so you're even, I mean, you're even more disheartened at that point because you're like, okay, really nothing is wrong with us. We just something with hormone levels, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, so that's what they do with your hormone levels is they throw a bunch of medication into the female that um, just throws them into a tizzy. It's no fun. Yeah, I was not the most pleasant person during that time. Um, basically think of like your 
period coming and your hormones before you get your menstrual cycle and take those hormones and like times them by a hundred. Yeah. And, um, basically like multiply by PCP and then that's, uh, <laughs> that's the level that you're looking at. Yeah. Um, so we did that for probably like four months and then no success. Uh, we had plenty of like eggs during that time. Andrew's sperm was looking great every time. Thanks, babe. <laughs> um, yeah, they do like a count and a wash of the spermicide. There's no spermicide. <laughs> spermicide. <laughs> spermicide is what you do to get rid of them. Really? Pesticide? Have you ever heard of pesticide? Is that to bring pets into a, an environment that makes them happy and ready to go make more pet pests? Pesticides. Anyways. Spermicides. Spermicides. They that, count that, the sperm count. They, yes. And it was like well into the millions at some times. There was one day where they said I was the top of the day and I was like, score. Yeah. I was like, does he get like a gift card or something? Yeah. No. Um, anyway, so yeah, we... It was like four or five months of us doing that with zero results. And then my dad passed away. And then we took a break for probably four or five months, three three to six months we took a break. Yes, it was a really trying time with even before your dad got really sick. Yeah. And um, I I think we both just knew it wasn't going to be a good time for it because you were already emotional from the loss of your, your dad. And obviously I wasn't having a great time with it either. And uh, throwing more hormonal medication into it was just going to yeah. set us up for failure. And on top of the stre- that, stress is not something you want to bring into. Extra stress is not something you want to bring into trying to get pregnant because that also helps ruin the, the cause. Yeah. So I called him back, the doctor, the, the fertility doctor. I called him like April of the following year. I think it was right around my birthday. Timelines. Yeah. Skip this. <laughs> I'm just saying, because like, then we got pregnant in June. Yeah, no, I know. Um, oh, that's right. Timelines we know we can stick with. Let's yeah. go. Keep going. Um, so called the doctor around April, right around my birthday. I talked to you, and I'm like, I think I'm ready. It's mm-hmm. been about six months since my dad passed. Yeah. Um, and you're like, are you sure? And I remember you being, like, kind of hesitant. And I was like, well, do you not, like, want to go through with like this or is it are you not ready and um he's and you can speak but I think you were just more so concerned about like me really being ready to handle all this yeah like because there was potential for it not working yeah for, for us to just keep running into a brick wall yeah so they we met with him again and he decided to kind of change up our treatment from the medicine that we were taking or I was taking um to start inject injections um it's another course of treatment it's just like more I don't say potent but like more I don't know what the word I'm looking for is it's basically the next step it's it's basically you go from IUI to these injections well, in, com- in, in combination IUI. with IUI, yeah. it's basically just the next step in the in the graph. Yeah, it's basically um, 
it just gets more and more expensive and more and more potent, more and more likely that you're going to get pregnant as you go up each step. Yeah. So, so from the beginning of IUI, it's it's like we're just trying to increase your odds enough to get you there. And it doesn't cost that much, really, in the grand scheme. And then it's just like, oh, that didn't work. Let's go up the next step. And that's cha-ching, cha-ching. And yeah. it keeps going up till you get to IV, IVF, which is insanely expensive. I had pretty good health insurance at the time, which covered most medications. And then it covered just like a co-payment for the IUI. Um, I think the medication that I had started taking was like $12 for a for one cycle supply or something like that. And then, like, when we moved to the injections, it was, like, $50 a vial. And you had to order them well in advance, and they didn't come from, like, the pharmacy. You had to call this company, and they had to ship them to the doctor's office, and the doctor's office would hold them there, and then they would send them home with you. Um, When, When it was time? When it was time. And then I actually did the injections myself. Andrew was not 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 comfortable if i was not able to do it i know he would have been able to do it yeah i just i didn't like uh if it was for me to stick a needle into me i'd be fine with it but to stick a needle into my wife i didn't i didn't like the idea of it yeah it's and i worked awkward. i worked in the hospital at the time and i was seeing like ivs and blood and all sorts of stuff like it didn't really bother me to stick a needle in my stomach um, plus, I knew that I was doing it so that we could potentially have a baby. So yeah. it was like all my fears or all my um, just anything that would scare me normally, like I put it away because I just I knew that this was the next step that we had to take in order for us to potentially have a family. Um, so there was three months, I think, of that. And yeah, I think two, was it two unsuccessful months and then yeah. the third month? Yeah. So the third month, and again, the, these months we had like five eggs, we had four eggs, and he's like, you know, just err on the side of caution that all these eggs could potentially get fertilized and you could have five, you could be like quintuplets. Yeah. Um, likelihood's not high, but it is always a risk when you do fertility. Yeah multiples right because the medicine that you're taking releases the eggs so it's really just like however much your body along with the medication um to make you ovulate and release the eggs how many your body actually releases and how many of them actually get fertilized so um that last month he had talked to us and he said you know guys this is we've been going on this i think about eight months now this is well past the time I usually, I usually give about six months for IUI, um, or six treatments, six cycles. Um, and I don't want to just keep getting your hopes up and that this will work if it's not going to. Um, so then he kind of like started talking to us about IVF and it was very brief, but he just kind of wanted us to like put it in the back of our heads that. Like, he's probably not going to move, like, do another one of these if this cycle fails. Um, so he went on vacation. Our our physician went on vacation, and we had actually met with the uh, other doctor that was in the office. And they did my ultrasound scan that month. And I had two eggs. Like, that was it that month. 
and obviously the more eggs you have, they like to see the bigger, like the more healthy, uh, the higher your odds are for having, you know, getting pregnant that month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had two, one was kind of small and she was like, nah, this one, I'm not even going to count on this one. And then one was very like healthy and very, um, ready to go. Because uh, I guess if they're not a certain size, sometimes they won't even release two. Um, so they have to be basically ready to go when the shots are administered and everything. Um, so we did the IUI that month. Not, I was kind of like, I remember leaving that appointment feeling kind of doubtful. And... I don't think it was her fault. I think she was talking to us from a scientific standpoint. Um, but she was just saying, like, your odds aren't high this month. Yeah. And we had already heard from our doctor, like, okay, this is your last month of IUI. Now she's telling us, like, our odds aren't high. So we're basically thinking, like, okay, well, why are we even doing this? We're going to be, like, doing IVF next round. Like, we're shooting ourselves in the foot here. Yeah, and then we're going to have to have a conversation about how we're going to be able to financially handle that burden. Yeah, and if you guys are unaware of anything about fertility treatments or um, infertility, it's not cheap by any means. What we were doing was affordable for us at the time, and not really even afford. Like, it was, we were scraping by, like, being able to pay for these treatments and the medication. Um but IVF, it's starting usually at fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, and that's not including medication or egg storage after they retrieve the eggs or any other like transfers that they have to do because the one IVF transfer didn't work. So you're looking at twenty thousand dollar down payment essentially plus 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 plus. Yeah. Um, so we were just, we would have probably had to stop Yeah. if it didn't work. Yeah. We didn't have 20 grand lying around. Yeah. Other than that, or we would have had to like bed, plead family or or take a loan out from the bank. (laughs) Cause I don't know how how else we would have afforded it. And kids definitely aren't cheap either. So you're really just shooting yourself in the foot if you're taking some kind of loan to even make, be able to make a child and then. Start into both parents working, daycare costs, which are also infuriatingly high. Yeah. So we had the two-week wait. We did the IUI. Um, and I remember being, like, super impatient that month, and I was like, I'm pregnant. And you're like, here we go. Because I'd done this before. I should always get really hype and test like four or five days before you're supposed to and she'd always get her hopes up and up to that point it was it was mostly for not for no good reason she was just getting her hopes up to get her hopes up and we weren't pregnant yeah um i wasn't feeling like sick or anything i was just feeling different so i took a test and it was positive and then i took another well and then i showed you and you're like, whatever, it's not, like, false positive, maybe. I don't believe you. And I know he was just guarding me. He was just like, I really don't want her to get her hopes up. 
Like, we've been down this road so many times before um, in the last, like, three, four years that we'd been together. And I know he was just really trying to protect me. Um, and maybe himself, too. I don't know. Yeah, if I had any say in the matter, we wouldn't have tested until, like, four or five days after. And once a, <laughs> once we had a positive on that, we go and talk to the doctor and let him verify and stuff. And I my hopes are never up from positive tests until we went into the doctor and they showed us on the little scanner that there was something in there. I wasn't trying to get excitable at all. Yeah. So I took, like, six more tests. <laughs> and... I called the, well, he was like, call the doctor. Like, I think I took him on a Sunday. And he was like, call the doctor tomorrow, and then we'll go from there. So I called the doctor, and they were, I was expecting, like, okay, let's come in for an ultrasound. And I was like, I called, and he's like, okay, well, let me schedule some lab result or lab work for you. And I was like, lab work for what? And they just basically want to check, like, your progesterone levels, your HCG levels. Um, so he got the results back from that, called me, and he's like, "We're not; they're not really where I'd like them to be based on, like, where you're at in your cycle. Um, I would want them to be a little bit higher, so I'm going to test you again in two days. So now I'm thinking, like, great, we're going to lose another baby. Like, and we just found out we're pregnant. Um, so I took the test again in two days, more blood work, he was more comfortable with the progression from the two days. Like they had doubled or tripled and that's what they're supposed to do. That's what every they're day. supposed to do. Yep. Um, so I think we went in for our first scan around six weeks. I heard six weeks or so. Yeah. And that's when he dropped the bombshell that we were having twins. <laughs> and, um, so he showed us, like, baby A, and then he showed us baby B. Baby A was a little bit smaller than baby B. Um, you guys can guess which one baby B was. <laughs> um, we have a... If you don't know Gavin, he's two and a half years old and weighs about 38 pounds. So he's pretty big for his age. Um, but he's solid. He's not... You know, he's healthy. Um built like much like us <laughs> um he had no concerns though really with baby a he just said it's smaller um then he said i'll see you guys again next week yeah. do another scan yeah, they want to do weekly checks because they know we'd lost a pregnancy previously and we had so much trouble getting pregnant that they want to watch the entire process and see if we do run into problems, when those problems arise and what's going on. Yeah. So that they can diagnose what's going on with us. Yeah. So we had told kind of like our immediate family and friends. Yeah, I still remember a couple of the specifics when I was telling people like their reactions and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to twins. Because we're like, oh, we're pregnant with twins. And everyone yeah. was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was just, just parents and siblings, really. Yeah, maybe yeah. a couple of aunts and uncles. But, yeah, nothing outside of, like, immediate family um, or immediately, like, close, close, close relatives. You pretty much just don't want to tell anybody you wouldn't be comfortable with telling, like, hey, it's it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't handle that conversation of not telling them there's yep. no longer a baby, then it's safer to just kind of wait. 
some people choose to just wait until they hit the three month mark to tell yeah. anyone at all. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's fair game too, but I feel like you should have some people to be able to talk to about it. Right. Cause least. then you're feeling like you're alone. Like when we went through our first miscarriage, we at least had our parents to talk to about we are it. A close family. Yeah. And there was like three or four of my close family members, uh, that had experienced a miscarriage and I had no idea. Right. So we were thinking more along the lines of, um, financially, like we're like thinking, Hey, like, Oh my gosh, we're going to be so blessed. We're, we're going to be done. Cause we only, we knew we only wanted two kids. Um, and then we were just thinking like, okay, now we need like two cribs. Now, now we need two of everything, two car seats, double diapers, double this, double that. Um, and we, we would have figured it out, but it was just like that initial shock of just like, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay for all this? Because <laughs> um, we had fully anticipated like paying for one baby, but usually like Gavin's stuff or McKenna's, or we use a lot of Gavin's stuff for McKenna. So yeah. in normal circumstances, you have that opportunity to like get hand-me-downs or... Um, that sort of thing. But not a lot of people have, like, hand-me-downs enough for to give you, like, two cribs or two car seats yeah. or two car seat bases. <laughs> really, four car seat bases because we need two in your car and two, two in my mine, car. Yep. Um, so we went in for... After we figured out the initial shock wore off and we were all excited about it, um, we went in for our seven-week... Th- appointment with the fertility specialist and he was like okay well I'll focus I don't really remember what he said but he was like I'll get to baby A in just a second I want to focus on baby B really quick talked about growth of baby B healthy great doing great fine yep yeah went back over to baby A and it was just like um there's A, no heartbeat. B, there's not a lot of growth from the last time I saw the baby. Which tells me that the baby passed away, like, probably right around after that appointment. Yeah, somewhere close to that. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of triggering for me because we had already dealt with a miscarriage. And I didn't know how to, like, deal with this loss but still celebrate, like, the fact that we had a healthy baby. Yeah. It was a very, like, weird feeling. Because um, I didn't want to also get myself, like, stressed out either. Yeah, because at this point, we'd had three babies in in utero by now, and two of the three didn't make it. Right. And this is uh, them telling us that the second of three has, is not going to come to fruition. And the third one's super healthy. Everything's great right now, but we still have another four weeks before we're um, out of the woodwork, if you will. Um, even though that's not a hundred percent, it's it it makes you it's a lot smoother after you make three months. I know there's plenty of pregnancies that have problems. I don't know what the percentages are, but I know the percentage goes way up for a successful pregnancy after the first trimester, and we still had another four weeks to even get to there. 
and we were just told that our second of three is not going to make it. Yeah. So it was definitely definitely pretty rough. Um, I remember him just saying, like, you know, guys, you do still have a healthy baby. And he was talking about the other baby, and he just said, you know, sometimes you can correct me if I'm wrong because, again, everything was kind of hazy that day, but he was just saying, like, sometimes nature takes its course and, like, instead of you guys dealing with maybe losing this baby come 40 weeks from now or something being very wrong with this baby for the rest of his his or her life, it's just kind of nature's way of weeding out what could have been potentially really bad. Right. Um, so we had a couple more appointments with him, I think, all the way up until like nine or ten weeks, and then we graduated fertility. Graduated with the fertility doctor. Because um, that's their job. They only are there to get you pregnant and then kind of keep an eye on you afterwards. And get, then, get you to that point where the percentage chance of your pregnancy being successful is, is much higher at this point. So then you move on to... The OBGYN the again. OB. Or yep. the OB. Um, so we actually transferred to a new OB different than the one that had actually referred me to the fertility specialist. And he was directly across from the fertility doctor hallway wise. Like, um, it was was the same building, the same hospital on the same floor. (laughs) Um, so we could still like go check in with the fertility doctor too, which we did quite frequently to like show him progress. Yeah. Yeah. So just so that he could see how things were going. Yeah. And the um, office staff over there as well. They were really nice. Yeah, they almost came, became, like, family. Like, they helped us create our family. So they, I I personally just, like, wanted to keep them in the loop. I don't know if they cared or not. I'm sure they did. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was cool to, like, take them along with us on our journey. Um, so we met with a new OB. He was great. I still have, um, I still love him. Like, he's a great, great doctor. If you're in the Rochester area and you're looking for an OB, contact me. Or fertility doctor. Or fertility doctor, contact me, and I can give you some names. We're just not trying to talk about them. Yeah. Um, Over the air. (laughs) Respect their privacy. And so, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Where were we? Um, oh yeah. So he scheduled me, yeah, he scheduled me for our first like normal ultrasound, ultrasound with, um, the ultrasound, like, I don't know. I think he was, I don't really know what they called them. He didn't, they didn't do in the office. So we had to like go to a different place to get ultrasounds. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was strange. Yeah. Um, so it was still in the same like hospital. It was just like, he was a different guy like he handled all of the ultrasounds specifically yeah yeah that's just what his niche was well he wasn't specifically like talking about the pregnancy other than like the measurements and stuff yeah he was not there for pregnant prenatal care he was more so there to monitor the baby the baby itself yeah Yeah. and any any issues that could arise with the baby are going to be yeah sorted out there so we met with the ultrasound tech, everything looked great. Gavin was growing. We didn't even know Gavin was a boy at this time. 
Gavin was growing um, to the size that they were comfortable with, if not maybe even a little bit bigger. He's always a little big. Um, And then we decided to do a little... There was blood work involved before. So, yeah, there's certain blood work that has to be done at every stage. And and then the one set of blood work that they gave us stated that our baby had a higher percentage chance of, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Down syndrome? Yeah, I believe. Just some chromosomal abnormality. Abnormality, right. They couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was. The average is like one out of... What was it? One out of two hundred and twenty-seven, or it—it it was pretty low for us. Yeah, I mean, it was—it was still pretty low, but it was a. Our chances were above average, essentially. Yeah. I can't remember what the average is. I don't think it's even one one out of two hundred twenty-seven. I think that might have been what ours was because of the situation. Yeah. Uh, but they basically. So. Did. He gave me a couple options, though. Um. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage was, though. But he, I remember him giving us a couple of options. Yeah, we could either do the amniocentesis or some kind of blood test. And you and I had talked about the amniocentesis. I think I remember talking to, like, my sister-in-law about it. And I, I think she'd had it. She, she, I think she did because, and we don't need to get too much into detail, but... They were they were basically told that their firstborn was going to have all kinds of ridiculous issues, and they um, they basically that was part of the reason why I didn't want to do it uh, was was because of the conversations with them, and that was part of the reason why I tried to avoid any further testing, any any optional testing that they said for the most part um, we turned down. Yeah, with both both pregnancies. Yeah, but um, on, in this case. There was nothing invasive about the blood test, and yeah. I think our insurance covered it at the time. Mm-hmm. So with, with like a, I think it's like a fifty dollars copay or something, which is, I mean, fifty bucks to, to you know, help rule out peace uh, of mind. Well, it's 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 peace of mind, but it's also preparation. Like let's, I mean, if we have a yeah, slightly higher percentage chance true. to have a, a child with a chromosomal issue, now we're just gonna leave that floating in the ether. At least if this blood test comes back and shows 100% that it is going to have that kind of issue, then we can, you know, better prepare ourselves for that eventuality. Yeah. And if all you have to do is draw blood, which you had your blood drawn. I had to get it done and again, I think anyway. So they just took like an extra vial. Yeah. I think they took an extra vial. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to me that they were even able to pull the DNA from him out. Um, but basically they chalked it up to when the blood was, the blood originally had been taken, um, before this scan, they think that some of the blood from like the other baby, baby A was still kind of lingering around in my blood. Right. And maybe that was why nature took its course on that. Yeah. For baby A, essentially, because there was some some kind of issue that was arising. Yeah. It was like, it's not computing, so, you know. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Um, so they called us after the blood work. It was pretty quick. I think it was a couple days. Yes. And they were like, everything looks fine. They were able to actually see, like, the DNA 
how it differed from mine and his and Gavin's um, and everything looked perfect. And so that was a little bit of a relief. And then I think we had, this is getting like way into like more of our pregnancy, but this is just like all the issues that we came up with during this pregnancy, like I think from start to. I think that's where we should end is the, when we got past the last big problem Yeah, and for this. And then we can, we, we can, can talk more about like second half of the pregnancy and, uh, um, and then really kind of Gavin's birth story. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like pre 20 weeks, this is kind of the last issue we had it well not really issue but like another like almost like wind knocked out of you like situation yeah um that kind of arose so i think it was around like 12 13 weeks they were taking another so we're past the first trimester yeah. and they're taking another ultrasound um at this point i think we were just doing like normal once a month ultrasound. Yeah, something, something like or, that. Yeah. And so this was like the last one before we were going to be... I think the only reason we were doing once a month was because it was technically a high-risk pregnancy because of how long it took us to get pregnant. Yeah, some because people... Because some people just get... They might get one at the three months just to make sure there's a heartbeat and everything else, and then they kind of get one a little bit before the kid's born. Yeah, I know, like, my sister <coughs> did not get a ton Um and she was, she was just like, you got another one. <laughs> this was with McKenna. Um, but yes, yeah, most women don't get as many as we had. There's just, there's some risk factors involved with having a ton of ultrasounds too with, I don't know exactly what it is, but, um, the scanning technology can, there's radiation and stuff like that. I may be wrong, but, um, it just exposes their, it increases their risk. Um, if you're constantly <coughs> getting ultrasounds. Um, but obviously there's certain scenarios where the baby, the baby needs to be monitored. <laughs> Stealthy. Yes, very. <laughs> um, so... I don't want to turn on the air because it's going to make a lot of noise. I know. I'm getting that butt sweat. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue. My balls <laughs> My balls was hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, tangent again. Uh, but basically we were getting, at this point we'd already had like four or five ultrasounds. And the baby yeah. was only like 12 weeks old. Yeah. And... So the doctor comes in, and we never really had seen... We, you don't really see the doctor unless... At this point, you don't really ever see the doctor unless something's wrong. <laughs> so he comes in, he's like, Hey, guys, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Nice to meet you. Um, I just want to talk to you about, like, what's going on, what we saw on the ultrasound. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I thought we were okay. So he was talking to us about... Gavin only had this unilateral umbilical cord. Yeah, so they're supposed to be... Or there's... They're supposed to be... Ventricular oil. They're supposed to be two... What is it? What are they called? Umbilical cords. Wait. There's, a, no. there's two... Two veins. Two veins and one artery. No, two arteries, one vein. 
Because he only had a uni arterial umbilical Okay, there cord. we go. That, that sounds correct. So basically there's supposed to be two, but there's only one. Um, and with this situation, oftentimes the issue becomes failure to thrive, which at this time he said the measurements don't, don't concern me, but you guys are going to have to have some extra ultrasounds to keep an eye on it because sometimes those babies in these situations will have failure to thrive through the pregnancy. Yeah. He basically was like, I'm not really concerned based on the size of your child because normally they are smaller babies. Um, he's like, your child is surpassing the norm for average (laughs) for this sort of disease or syndrome or abnormality or whatever it medically is classified as not a disease, but just, well, he's above average size for any baby. Yeah, for sure. So it was just. He's saying that it doesn't seem like a problem right now, but we need to keep an eye on it because typically with this situation, you end up with a baby that can possibly be so small that it's failure to thrive issues. Right, right. So um, this was not like the last of this pregnancy with issues, though. Um, Gavin was fine, though. Like they, they, We went to like weekly appointments or did like every two weeks. So we were going to go be going from one week, month, every, once a month, to now every two weeks or once a week. I was trying to make every scan, too, because the last thing I needed to do was not be there for a scan or a bad scan or a, more bad news or yeah. the ultimate bad news. If I'm not there for every one of these ultrasounds, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be there for the ultrasound I need to be there for. Yeah. Um. So we believe with you. You guys, with that, though, there is more to come with this pregnancy that our immediate family really knows about. Um, But basically, I was hospitalized for two weeks. Um, And potentially, they wanted me to be hospitalized from, like, week 19 all the way up to, like, when the baby could be taken out. But we will end on that. And we will tell you guys more about that... um, in another episode leading into kind of Gavin's birth story. But Gavin is here. He did make it through. <laughs> I made it through. Andrew made it through. Um, and he is definitely a light. Uh, he's, he's a struggle at points, but... Most of the points. <laughs> not most of them. <laughs> a struggle? Yeah, he's a struggle. <laughs> um, but He's great, though. If you guys have any questions about infertility or fertility, I'm not a specialist, but we do have a lot of knowledge in the subject just based off of like our experience. Um, and some other people that we know have experienced similar things yeah. or the, very, very similar or very different experiences with the same issues. Yeah. So while we're not, um, we don't have like a diploma to educate. We are educated on based off what we know and we do have a lot of like resources. Um, so don't feel ashamed or scared to reach out to us. You can email us at perfectlydysfunctionalfamily at gmail.com or reach out to us either via Instagram or Facebook, Perfectly Dysfunctional Family. Um, and then you can DM me like personally on my Instagram if you don't want to reach out on the 
the pages at Courtney Wiedemann on either Facebook or Instagram. Andrew is not on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Um, But like I said, we're right here together, though. If if someone emails me, it's just as much as like emailing him um, and we will get back to you. But we enjoy telling our story about this because it is it doesn't well it doesn't define us it definitely is part of why we have our children or why we have one of our children um so feel free to reach out and um thank you guys so much for listening it means a lot to us and if you don't follow us on instagram or facebook find us there uh click the follow button um if you haven't already um on whatever platform you listen on give it a rating uh, hopefully five stars, but be honest. Yeah. I, by which I mean click five stars. Uh, but also if you could please put a comment in there, that does help a lot. Um, when people are looking for a new podcast, that's one of the things that I, I look through real quick is kind of scroll some comments. And yeah. typically the kinds of podcasts I get into are they have a lot of comments and you can kind of just look through what the general idea of the podcast is. And if you tell people your actual feelings about it, why you actually, why you listen, what the, what you get out of it, that, that always helps. Yeah. And then, um, next week, if you guys want a little teaser, I'm going to be talking one-on-one. Andrew can join in if he wants to, but it might be a Kylie, my cousin, Courtney exclusive. Um, she's going to kind of share, not an exact story, but like her journey with kind of what she and her husband are dealing with right now. Um, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. No. So winter's coming. Yes. True. Um, and Florida doesn't really have a lot of winter. Not much. So, For anyone that wants to move here, we have your people who can help you relocate. Um, We've talked about them before, but we only do because we love them and they are great at what they do. They're realtors for Central Florida. Um, They can also assist you in moving here if you so, if you see fit to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We moved down here a couple of years ago. We used them. We love them. Um, let me get their stuff. Hold on. Another fun fact about Florida this year, um, hurricane season is atrocious. There's, they're about to run out of letters for yeah. name storms currently. <laughs> and, uh, we've dodged every single one of them. Yep. I actually saw a meme today where it was like the map and where eight, eight named storms have landed. Yeah, where, where, and it shows where each individual storm has landed. Yes. But Florida's being pretty much untouched. I think the panhandle did get hit, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've ever been through a hurricane, it can be very scary, though. Yeah. And it can be very detrimental. However, if you are thinking you don't want to move to Florida because... Florida has a high record of hurricane history. Just know that nowhere really on the map is safe. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, up in New York, I experienced an ice storm uh, growing up. Um, some really terrible snowstorms that can leave people stranded. 
um, pretty much anywhere has its fair share of natural natural disasters. Um, There's really no way to avoid them. And in Central Florida specific, um, you really is. I mean, just being off the coast is huge. If you if you're an hour and a half, two hours inland, uh, typically, I mean, you can still get hit okay, but I mean, you're not getting hit the same way the shorelines are. Right. Um, you're not getting hit with the surf. But if you don't want to see snow this year, and you'd like to see some rain instead, um, and only like high of 65 in December, January, um, you can contact Greg and Ellen or Ellen or Greg. Uh, they are married. They are a team. Um, but you can email Ellen at E-L-T-H-U-N-E-L-L at WatsonRealtyCorp.com. Um, or you can email Greg at Greg at GregStaker.com. And he also has a website that you can visit, www.gregstaker.com. And Staker is spelled S-T-A-K-E-R. Um, they are fantastic people. I've known them, well, I've known Ellen since I was born. Um, funny little tidbit, my dad took her to prom. Mm. <laughs> uh, but she's basically like my aunt, and um, she is my aunt. Uh, but we love them. Let them know Perfectly Dysfunctional Family sent you if you're looking for a house. And that is all.